0: Welcome to the Banner of Truth Broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. We are continuing our series of sermons today on the great doctrines of the Christian faith as they're summarized for us in the Belgic Confession of Faith. Today, with the Lord's help, We'll consider the subject of the intercession of Christ. And in that connection, I invite you to turn with me to several verses in the epistle to the Hebrews. The first is from Hebrews 2, the verses 14 to 18. Let us hear God's word. Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, He is able to aid those who are tempted. The second passage is from Hebrews 4, the verses 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The next passage is Hebrews 7, the verses 24 and 25. But he, that is Christ, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And the last passage is from Hebrews 10, the verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This ends the reading of the word of God. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word to our hearts today. Dear friends, 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. But you may wonder, what exactly is he doing there? We might think that he is taking it easy and relaxing, After all, he had accomplished all the work that his father had given him to do. Did he not suffer and die to pay the penalty for our sins? What else was there for him to do but to relax? But contrary to what we might expect, Jesus is actually very busy. He is busy gathering and defending his church by his word and spirit. But he's also interceding for his people at the right hand of God. Yes, seven days a week. 24 hours a day, every day of the year, Christ is interceding for his people. Lately in our study of the Belgic Confession, we've been meditating on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We've seen in Articles 17 through 25 that Christ was promised to Adam and Eve, that he assumed our flesh and blood in his incarnation, that he has two natures, that he made satisfaction for the sins of his people by dying on the cross, that through faith in him we are justified before God, that we are not only justified in Christ but also sanctified in Christ, and also that the law was fulfilled in him. Well, now we come to the last article in this section of the Belgic Confession, and it is on the intercession of Jesus Christ. Now, when we speak of the intercession of Christ, we are speaking of his work as priest. You may remember that in Lord's Day 12, question and answer 31 of the Heidelberg Catechism, we confess that Christ has three offices, the office of prophet, of priest, and of king. Well, here in this article, we're concerned with his office as priest. And as priest, Christ does two things. First of all, he makes satisfaction for our sins. And secondly, he intercedes on our behalf before the Father's throne in heaven. Now, we've already considered the first aspect of his work as priest in Articles 20 and 21, his sacrifice on the cross. And now, with the help of the Lord, we go on to consider the second aspect of his work, and that is his work of intercession. So, our theme today is the intercession of Christ. And we'll see that this is, first of all, so necessary. Secondly, it is so sufficient. And thirdly, it is so effective. The very first sentence of Article 26 of the Belgian Confession strongly asserts the necessity of the intercession of Christ. I quote, We have no access unto God, but alone through the only mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, who therefore became man, having united in one person the divine and human natures, that we men might have access to the divine majesty, which access would otherwise be barred against us, end quote. So you notice here that our Lord is referred to as a mediator and an advocate. Now, though closely related, these two words do not mean the same thing. A mediator is a go-between, somebody who stands between two warring parties, in this case, God and man. An advocate is someone who represents you before a judge, something like a lawyer. And he not only represents you, he also speaks on your behalf. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is both for his people. As a mediator, Christ stands between us and God. You see, one of the consequences of the fall of man into sin was enmity. God put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. But there was also enmity between God and man. Because man fell into sin, his heart is full of enmity against God. He hates him and wants to have nothing to do with him. And God, in turn, is angry with man. Now, in order for man to approach God, whom he has deeply angered and offended on account of his sin, he needs a mediator, someone who can stand between God and man. Well, that mediator is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the mediator of his people, but he's also their advocate. And as our advocate, the Lord Jesus represents his people before his Father and presents their petitions before him. And that's because by nature we have no right to ask the Father for anything. We cannot even stand before him. We've, we have forfeited every blessing because of our sin. But in Christ we can You see, Christ represents us before his Father in heaven. He speaks to God on our behalf. In fact, our confession says it was for this very reason that he became incarnate. This is why the Son of God assumed our flesh and blood, not only so that he might be a suitable sacrifice for our sins, but also that he might make intercession for sinners before God. Yes, the mediator that we need must be both fully human and fully divine. He must be human in order to represent us before the Father. Man must speak for man. And in order to identify with us and to sympathize with us in all of our needs, he must also be divine because only a divine being can stand before God and intercede on our behalf. Well, there's only one who ever has ever lived who meets those qualifications, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, apart from him, access to God is, as our confession says, barred against us. Now, this is clearly what the Scriptures teach. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, the Apostle Paul writes, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so the scriptures are clear. Christ is the only mediator that we need. Oh, my friends, do you realize that today? Do you see how much you need the Lord Jesus Christ? Apart from him, the gates of heaven are closed to us. We cannot stand before God and live, much less present our petitions before him in prayer with any hope that they might be heard and answered by him. No, what we need is a mediator and an advocate who is both fully human and fully divine. What we need is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Well, since that is so, my friends, oh, look to him and look to him alone, cling to him, and never let him go. Yes, Christ's intercession was so necessary, but it is also so sufficient. And that brings us to our second point. After asserting the necessity of Christ's intercession, our confession goes on to assert his sufficiency. Listen again to the Belgian Confession of Faith. And I quote, But this mediator whom the Father has appointed between him and us ought in no wise affright us by his majesty or cause us to seek another according to our fancy. For there is no creature either in heaven or on earth who loves us more than Jesus Christ. Who though he was in the form of God yet made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a man and of a servant for us and was made like unto his brethren in all things. If then we should seek for another mediator, who would be well-affected towards us? Whom could we find who loved us more than he who laid down his life for us even when we were his enemies? And if we seek for one who has power and majesty, who is there that has so much of both as he who sits at the right hand of his Father and who has all power in heaven and on earth? And who will sooner be heard than the own well-beloved Son of God. Well, here we confess that this mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, ought in no wise to affright us or to make us afraid by his majesty or cause us to seek another according to our fancy. Now, in making that statement, our confession is actually responding to the Roman Catholic practice of invoking or praying to the saints. And by saints, they mean extraordinarily godly believers who have died and gone to heaven. According to the Church of Rome, believers cannot pray to Christ directly. Christ, they say, is too holy to be approached by sinful men, and man is too sinful. The only way whereby we can present our petitions before God is through the saints, especially Mary, the mother of our Lord. The saints, they say, take the petitions which... God's people present to God, and they in turn present them to Christ, who in turn presents them to the Father. And they can do this because they have accumulated so much merit during their life on earth that they're able to share some of that merit with believers. And their merit gives them the right to approach Christ directly. So without the intercession of the saints, it's unlikely that one's petitions will ever be heard, let alone answered by God. A famous painting illustrates this very well. In this painting, Christ and Mary are pictured sitting, as it were, on the edge of heaven. And there are two ladders in the painting, one extending to Mary and the other to Christ. Those who climb the ladder to Christ are pictured as falling down in fright as soon as they approach him. But those who climb the ladder to Mary receive a friendly welcome and are brought to Jesus. In another painting, Christ is about to hurl lightning bolts to earth in order to destroy it. And the only reason why he does not do so is because Mary and St. Francis are preventing him. So the message in these paintings is clear. Christ is inaccessible. In fact, he is against you. The only way you can present your petitions before God is by going through an intermediary, one of the saints. Now, over and against this, the Belgian Confession, echoing the teaching of the Reformers, who in turn were echoing the teaching of Scripture, say absolutely no. We should not be afraid of Christ, nor should we present our petitions in the name of a saint, Christ, is all we need. Now our confession gives several reasons why this is the case. First of all, it says, For there is no creature, either in heaven or on earth, who loves us more than Jesus Christ. So the reason why we may pray to Christ directly is because he loves us. He loves us more than any other creature. Yes, even more than the saints. And he proved that love in two ways. First of all, by assuming our flesh and blood. Our confession says, Though he was in the form of God, yet made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a man and of a servant for us, and was made like unto his brethren in all things. confession there is quoting the words of Philippians chapter 2. But he also proved this love by dying for our sins. Again, I quote our confession. If then we should seek for another mediator, who would be well affected towards us? Whom could we find who loved us more than he who laid down his life for us even when we were his enemies? The point is, if Christ did this for us, if he who was God condescended to become a man, yes, even a servant, and to lay down his life for our sins while we were still his enemies, then there's nothing he will not do for us. Of course he will intercede for us. The second reason why Christ is the only mediator that we need is because he sits at the right hand of the Father. Again, I quote our confession, And if we seek for one who has power and majesty, who is there that has so much of both as he who sits at the right hand of his Father and who has all power in heaven and on earth. So if Christ sits at the right hand of God, then surely he has the ear of God. And that means he can present our petitions directly to him. And if he has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth, as he himself said, then he is also able to do for us whatever we ask of him. A third reason why Christ is the only mediator that we need is this. He is God's own beloved Son. Now a father loves his children, that goes without saying. He loves them so much that there's nothing that a father would not do for them. Whatever legitimate and necessary requests they make of him, he will most certainly grant. And if that is true for earthly fathers, how much more true is it with respect to God and his Son Just as a parent would never refuse the legitimate request of his or her child, so the father will never refuse the petitions of his son. And so we see how foolish it is, therefore, to look to saints or any other creature to act as a go-between between between ourselves and God. In Christ, we have the greatest go-between anyone could ever ask for, the very Son of God himself. Now, to further reinforce this, our confession declares that the saints themselves at no time required veneration or worship. And that's also clearly scriptural. And there are many examples of this in the Bible. In Acts 10, verse 25 and 26, we read how Peter came into the house of Cornelius, and that when Cornelius met him, he fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And then Peter took him up and he said, Stand up, I myself am a man. So Peter refused the worship that Cornelius was offering to him. Similarly, in Acts 14, verses 14 and 15, we read there how Paul and Barnabas were in Lystra. And when the men of Lystra heard them speak and saw the miracles that they performed, they thought that Paul and Barnabas were gods, and so they sought to offer sacrifices to them. And when Paul and Barnabas heard of it, they, they rent their clothes and they ran in among the people And Luke says they cried out and they said, Sirs, why why are you doing these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. You remember how in Revelation 19 verse 10 when John was given a vision of the marriage supper of the Lamb how he fell down and worshipped the angel that showed him this vision even John fell into this terrible trap. And the angel rebuked him and they said, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The point is, if the saints themselves and the angels did not require veneration and even refused it when they got it, then they would never require us to pray to them. To do so, is not honoring God or the saints, but it is rather dishonoring them. Now, at this point, our confession goes on to deal with an objection. The objection is this Are we not too unworthy to present our petitions directly to Christ? Now, again, that would have been a common objection at the time that the Belgian confession was written. Throughout the Middle Ages, the Church of Rome taught that ordinary believers could not approach Christ directly. He was too holy, and they were too sinful. And that's why they needed the saints. The saints would intercede for them on their behalf. And so consequently, many people reading this confession for the first time, especially this article, which teaches that we may approach Christ directly, they would have found this very difficult to accept. They would have said, well, if I can approach Christ directly, does that not mean that I am a sinner? For only sinless creatures can approach Christ. And in response to that objection, our confession says this, and I quote, Neither must we plead here our unworthiness, for the meaning is not that we should offer our prayers to God on account of our own, unworthy, on account of our own worthiness, but only on account of the excellency and worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ whose righteousness is become ours by faith. So our confession here reminds us that although we may approach Christ directly with our request, that doesn't mean that we're no longer sinners. That would not be true at all. We are and always will remain sinners, at least in this life. And yet, we may approach Christ directly, not on the basis of any worthiness in ourselves, but only on the basis of the worthiness of Jesus Christ whose righteousness becomes ours by faith. Now to further reinforce this, our confession quotes extensively from the letter to the Hebrews, which perhaps more than any other book of the Bible speaks most extensively about the intercessory work of Christ. It mentions, for example, that Jesus was made like unto his brethren in all things, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is also able to aid, to help, to assist them that are tempted. It mentions, too, that Christ is a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, who was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And That because of Christ, we may enter boldly into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Oh, my friends, is this not a great comfort? What needs do you have today? Do you or a loved one need to be saved? Are you grieving and in need of comfort? Are there difficulties in your family life, and your work life? Do you fear for your children, your grandchildren, as you see some of them living in and for the world? Are you concerned about the church and the world and the direction in which things seem to be moving? Are you experiencing financial difficulties, finding it hard to make ends meet? Are you dissatisfied with your level of spiritual growth? Do you wish you were more holy, that you could gain victory over specific sin or sins in your life? Do you need God's direction as you must make an important decision in your life? Oh, well, my friends, don't take these things to a saint. The saints, as godly as they are, cannot intercede for us before God. Only Christ can do that. So take them all to him. He will intercede for you. He will bring all of your needs before his Father in heaven and plead for you on the basis of his atoning work. And he's the only one who can do it. No one else loves us more. No one else sits at the right hand of the Father. No one else can lay claim to being the only begotten Son of God. He is our only mediator. He's the only one that we need. But that's not all. Not only is Christ the only mediator, he is also highly effective. And that brings me briefly to my third point. Yes, when we have Christ as our intercessor, we may believe that whatever we ask in his name will surely be given to us. That's exactly what we confess at the end of this article. And I quote, According to the command of Christ, we call upon the Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, our only mediator, as we are taught in the Lord's Prayer being assured that whatever we ask of the Father in his name will be granted to us. Our confession here is referring to John 14, verse 14. There Jesus says to the disciples, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, does that mean if I ask for a shiny new sports car, or if I ask God to heal me of my cancer, or if I ask God to convert my loved one that he will do as I have asked? No. God is absolutely sovereign, and as such, sometimes he says no. In fact, sometimes he says no to what appear to us, at least, to be perfectly reasonable and unselfish requests. Now, why he says no, we can't always say. God has his reasons, and he knows what's best for us, even better than we know ourselves. But this much is certain. Whatever we ask in his name, so long as as it is according to his will, he will do it for us. Well, maybe you say, well, if that's true, then, then what's the point of praying? Well, my friend, we need to pray because it is in the way of prayer that God is pleased to answer our requests. If we don't ask, we also will not receive. The point is, if we are in Christ we have a mediator in heaven who will intercede for us and his intercession is always effective. But as it is with all of Christ's benefits, this is true only for those who have repented of their sins and who have believed on his name and embraced him as Lord and Savior and King. And so I ask you, as I bring this sermon to a close, have you done so? If not, that none of these things that I have spoken of today apply to you. You have no intercessor. You have no advocate. You have no one to plead your case and present your petitions before the Father. No one to defend you. No one to make payment for you. You are all alone. And yet still the Lord is gracious. And he invites all sinners everywhere to come to him, repent of their sins, and believe on his name. Yes, he offers himself not only as a priest to die for you, but also as a priest to intercede for you. Oh, come to him then, before the day of grace is past. This is why he came, this is why he suffered and died and rose again and ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father, so that he might become the Savior and intercessor of sinners. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can give us an email, send us an email at banneroftruth at frcna.org. For those who take the time to write, I will gladly send you a free copy of the Belgic Confession of Faith so that you can more easily follow along as I explain each of its 37 articles. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us, and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at BannerOfTruthRadio.com. That's all one word, BannerOfTruthRadio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.